So we're talking about Daxelagnia and Dagraphilia with Sharon Gordon, a columnist for the Saturday Star, owner of Lolo Montes, the premier adult brain brand in South Africa. Very good afternoon to you. And brain. And brain. And brain, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, it's so great to be back. Hello, listeners. Sharon, what a what a fa- fantastic top topic, and one I must say I'd never heard about before. Uh, which obviously means that it's not something that's worked for me. But hey, one never knows. And what do they say? Don't knock it until you've tried it. Yeah, I guess I guess most of the um, fetishes that are around, we we don't re- we we kind of pull our noses up until we try it, and then we go, mm. oh, mm, that was so bad. bad. Yeah, I was actually at a party the other day. We did a party, um, sort of, you know, bachelorette party. And um, I smacked one of the girl's bums and she went, oh, my goodness, that was nice. (laughs) It was like a big shock, you know. So, um, yeah, so I think think everybody's got their thing. Mm. Um, Some of us are a bit more vanilla than others. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, as long as you're not hurting anybody, and I think that um, these two in particular, um, biting and crying, could hurt people. So I think that before you embark on them, you have to have to have consent. Okay, help um, us understand what they are and how it works. All right. So the first one is um, biting and being bitten. Mm. So let's, let's we go back to, you know, at the beginning and say what, a, what is a fetish. And a fetish is something that is sexually arousing that is not normally associated with sex. Mm. So um, genitals are associated with sex. So if you've got an obsession with beautiful penises, it's not a fetish because, you know, that's that's part of sex. Biting isn't associated with sex. So that that's why it falls into the fetish realm. Mm. And the thing about biting is, is is that it's very very primal. It's 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 base and it's deep and it's because if you think about the primal instinct of biting, you know, um, if even when we look at a baby, you go, oh, I could eat you up, mm. you know, and mm. and it's not a we, we're not feeling sexual about it, but it goes straight to the mouth. And the mouth is one of those areas that we can use for good or for bad. I mean, kids so, use their mouths a lot for biting, putting their fists in their mouths when, they, when they're newborns and it goes from there. It's all about the mouth. Yeah, look, I've got a lovely story about newborns teething. There's a wonderful sex toy that is fantastic for it. Uh, what's <laughs> you that? Turn, you, turn it, you turn the vibrator on and they chew on it like a teething <laughs> ring and it works like a bomb, let me tell you. But, yeah, so, so I think the mouth is, is very primal. And, and so it's not a stretch to imagine that biting and gumming would be quite sexy. Mm. Um, and that you could get turned on by it. But I think that the thing is, is that so a little nibble, a little, and you know, it starts early. Mm. I don't know if when you were a kid in your 14, 15, 16, when you were necking your boyfriend and you got yourself a love bite. Oh, oh yeah. It was the, you know, you showed it off at school like you were, you just won the lotto, you know. It's but, not really a thing anymore, is it? it? It really is a thing. I saw somebody oh. with one the other day and I went, <laughs> Oh, is that still a thing? We were doing that a hundred years ago. Yeah. But yes, it is still a thing. So I think that it starts then. And it's about 
almost marking your territory. So it's very possessive almost. Mm. Um, and so you, you marking your partner in a way that isn't, isn't, um, and I, and I hesitate to say normal because what's normal for me and what's normal for you are different normals. Mm. So I think that the, the person being bitten is aroused by the pain of the bite. So it falls into the sadism and masochism arena. And then obviously the person doing the biting is, is, is edging on, on fear and excitement. So it, 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 you know, that it, it brings out all those sort of primal emotions of fight or flight, mm. you know, and it's just, and, and it, and of course, what does that do? That, um, activates the chemistry in your body. And so, you know, we walk in pharmacies, um, not because we've taken so many drugs, but because our endorphins and our, um, our hormones kick in. And in particular, adrenaline, which is very addictive for those of you who exercise a lot and you'll get adrenaline kicks, you'll know how, um, absolutely addictive that is. Mm. And then obviously, um, endorphins which are the happy drugs and those get released by the biter and the bite, you know, and the person being bitten. And so that's how it becomes incredibly pleasurable and part of play. And does so the, the other thing, can about the, it, sorry, um, but don't, yeah. don't let me stop you. Go back to what you were going to say. Can the biter okay. become no, the no. bitee? Is that the correct thing? Bitee. But yes. So, can, so, can you have so, the role so swapping I, there? I, I think that it's, I think that it depends on the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, you can flip. So, so one day I can be the biter and tomorrow you can be the biter. And, you know, I think that it can, but you'll generally find that people fall into their roles. So there will always be the person who bites and always be the person who gets bitten. But there's no rule that says you can't swap it around. Okay. And uh, I mean, what does this mean? So, okay, we, uh, this is what we're doing and it releases some kind of thrill, some kind of sexual element possibly. What, what does it come from? Is there a trigger from when you are young? Yeah. Does does it have to be a trigger? Yeah. So this is, this is the interesting one about, um, so, so all fetishes. We believe, and nobody knows, and there's been no research about it. And I come back to the fact that, you know, the clitoris was only mapped in 1994. So, you know, fetishes really? are way down the, the, wow. the, 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 um, you know, the, the research, the, the research part. So if anybody's out there for a PhD, start to do, do re, do, you know, have a look this at, um, <laughs> yeah. So, so have a, have a, have a look at, um, doing it on the fetishes because there's been no research. So we don't know, but mm. we assume that it comes from childhood. Mm. So something happened before you were seven. You know, the Jesuits said, give me a child before the age of seven and I'll own them for life. And I think that that's what happens. So either, you know, one of those children that bit you and you bit them back um, and they enjoyed it, maybe that happened or, you know, but, but I do think that a lot of, um, of it comes from the joy of eating and the food and putting things in your mouth. And I think that there's, there's something very comforting and sensual about that. Mm. So that's where we think it comes from, but nobody really knows. Okay. And what about digraphilia? That's when you are aroused by tears or sobbing. 
Now, that one freaks me out a little bit, I have to say. And I'm not being judgmental. It just freaks me out. Why? And I think it's because, A, I don't cry. Oh. So, um, I've, I think I've cried about three times in my whole life. Um, so, 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 and, and the thought of somebody crying makes me more into, oops. I mean, I can't, I can't bear seeing people cry. It makes me so uncomfortable. I don't know what, I don't know how to comfort them. Mm. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I want to run away. But now that I know it can turn me on, maybe I'll look at it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, start cutting those onions. Yeah, no, you know, so, so, and I think that this one is, is, is a bit scary for me because you have got to start thinking about why would you want somebody to cry? Mm. You know, so is it, is it somebody who's a sadist who likes to make people cry and therefore gets turned on by it? Or how, and, and, you know, how do they get it? Because just remember, in any fetish, in anything in your relationship, and I come back to it every week, it has to be safe, it has to be sane, and it has to be consensual. Mm. So if you are a sadist who likes to make people cry and that gets you off, did you get consent to do it? Mm. And then if you're the person who's allowing somebody to make you cry, like, have you thought about why that's okay with you? And if it really is okay with you, then hey, go for it. So I, I do think that, that there's, there's, there's a lot of, um, so, so if it forms, fall, falls into the sadistic, um, play area, you know, sadism and masochism, mm. I think that you've got to just be very careful about consent. Mm. And the same goes for the biting. And please make sure that if you're playing in either of these realms, you have a safe word. And so, let so, me just quickly explain what a safe word is. Okay. Uh -huh. So a safe word is when it's getting too much. And we always recommend, you know, at Lola Montes, we recommend that you use a traffic light. So green is cool. I'm happy. You can carry on what you're doing. Orange is, I'm a little bit uncomfortable. I'm not sure I want to carry on, but let's take it a little bit further and really stop. Mm -hmm. And you stop immediately. So, you know, if somebody's making you cry and you, and you call red, you stop immediately because if you don't, trust is broken and then there's no, you lack intimacy in the relationship. So it's very, very important that you, um, have these safe words in place before the play, mm. not, not during the play or not during the short strokes. You get it done before the time and you both understand what red means. Okay, just a, a reminder if somebody's tuned in to keep your kids away because we are talking about fetishes at the moment and it is certainly not appropriate. Uh, um, a listener has, oh, oh, I see a picture here. This lady's got about five love bites on her neck. Respect to you. Wow, that's quite a, that's quite a feast there. Somebody else has said it's rather primitive how warped to get turned on by tears. I mean, you know, what works for you, that's absolutely fine. As you say, as long as there are the, the understood parameters. But I guess something yes. like this can also play a role in dealing with something that if it is an issue that occurred when you were a child, um, getting turned on by somebody else's tears might help you deal with that, right? Yeah, I reckon, I, I think that as long as it's not at somebody else's expense. Mm. So I think that's, that's the, the, the secret and the rule of any fetish is that 
you cannot get your pleasure at somebody else's expense. Mm. So if that person's happy to cry, so, you know, I know somebody who cries at the drop of a hat. She cries when she's happy. She cries when she's sad. She no, cries when she, you know, has an orgasm, you know, whatever. Mm. But, but, and, and if she's happy to cry and you're happy to watch her cry, then by all means, go mm. for it. But if you are making somebody cry, for your own personal pleasure and she's hating it or he's hating it, then, then don't do it. Mm. You know, it's, 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 there's a fairly simple line in the sand which says it must be for both your pleasure and you both must consent. We've got a message from Anonymous saying, Hi team, I think I'm turned on by a man who's crying. It's the vulnerability from somebody who's usually strong that arouses me in moments of pain or sadness. I feel like ripping his clothes, clothes off. It's weird. Well, now we know that it's no, not so weird. Well, I don't think it's weird. I think that, you know, 11% of the population can't be wrong. Mm. You know, because we, we think that that's kind of how many people agree with you. And there is something incredibly sensual about a vulnerable man. You know, mm. he's, he, when he shows you his vulnerability, he's led you into a very sacred space. And how you treat that is incredibly important mm. because you don't want to break his trust. If, for, like you mentioned, you know, you hit tap that lady on the bottom and she was like, oh, if you feel that you're into something that might be viewed as a little bit unusual, a little bit strange, a little bit weird to others, how should you go about finding like-minded people? So there are hundreds of chat rooms online. You can find them. If you just Google chat room for crime, you'll find at least 20. You know, if you want to chat to people about biting. And the other thing about biting, it it, it falls into that whole vampire fantasy. Mm. You know, after those vampire diaries and something, I think it became a lot more popular um, as, as a fetish and it became mm. something we spoke about quite easily. So if you are, there are loads of communities you can join. And if you don't know where to find them, you obviously can contact me through um, Lola Montez or follow us on our social media, you know, on our socials. Um, and we can help you. We could help. We can help sort of, you know, link you up with the people with like-minded people. Mm. Um, you know, this is a, a long story, which I, I might tell another time. But when I was in the UK, I researched S&M for six months for a documentary. And it was absolutely fascinating. This was after I met somebody at the Edinburgh Festival who was into this. And I just thought, wow, I've, mm. I, don't, I don't know about this world. It was incredible going there because firstly, how many people are involved. I mean, the clubs and the private spaces. I mean, it's a it's a massive industry. So clearly it's something that that. Uh, people have a, a need for and it's something that should be yeah, out there massive, should be available yeah it's, yeah it's massive yeah too i mean there are um there, there are stores that specialize in it mm. and there are loads of clubs and you know people have parties and so so if if you're looking for your for your your tribe you see, you can find them here. It's not as prolific as it is in the States or in the UK, but mm. they are around. Mm. And I, I think one of the things is also is, um, and I, 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 I don't really want to punt anybody else's business, but if you go to the sex expo, mm. you will find like-minded people. You will find the stands that specialize 
in maybe not the fetishes that we've been talking about because they, they they're mm. minority fetishes. You know, mm. they don't fall into the mainstream. Um, but you'll find your tribe. Mm. They they are there. Nomvula says, I get turned on when my partner makes me angry, but not when they are angry. Not sure if this is an issue there, but uh, it doesn't mean they get away with it because we had sex. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. When, when I get angry, I just want to kill somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it might not be safe for them to come near me. But yes, just remember, I mean, I think the best sex I've ever had was when my adrenaline was pumping. And when you're angry, adrenaline is 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 released. And mm. that's what makes it so sexy and what makes the orgasm so powerful. So if you've done anything dangerous, if you've jumped out of an airplane or if you've flown in a helicopter for the first time or you've, you know, were almost attacked by an elephant, the, the sex you have after that is fantastic. Mm. And I think that that's what starts the imprint. Mm. So uh, it, it's finding that thing that releases that sort of energy, right? And if it's biting yes. and sobbing, well, then that's your thing. Then that's biting and sobbing. And just just getting back to the biting one is just be careful. You know, don't don't take a huge big hop first time round. You know, because it hurts. Mm. You've got to build up to the hop. You've got to nibble. You've got to apply pressure. You've got to check in that your partner's okay. You've got to, you know, and I would suggest that you don't do it in a place where everybody's going to ask them at work what happened. Yeah. Um, unless, of course, that's part of the, the power play. Mm. But, um, you know, and the most popular place to be bitten actually is the arse and the shoulder. Mm. You'd so take the thighs. I just thought I'd add that. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, and what about the stigma that could be linked to this? How should people deal with that? All right, so I do think that it's not something that you blurt out at a dinner party, or maybe you do. It depends who your friends are. I mean, if people come to my house, they know that sex is going to be talked about because mm, that's I what I imagine. talk about. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, so, so, so I think that it depends on your circles. And again, you know, I've said it every week um, while we've been chatting, is, is that if your partner approaches you and says, you know, I listened to Sharon on the radio from Lola Montez and that she was speaking about biting and, you know, I've always thought it would be quite sexy to try. How about it? Mm. Now, if you're the person on the other side and you're thinking, oh, my God, that's awful. I, I would hate to be bitten. Do not humiliate them. Mm. Do not go, oh. You're sick in the head. You need therapy. You know, d don't do that. Because what you do is, is you destroy the trust in the relationship. Mm. What you do say is, wow, I've never really thought about it. And I'm not sure that it's something I'd like. But, you know, why don't we start small and mm. see how we both feel? What would you like your safe word to be? Am I going to bite you? Are you going to bite me? Where would you like to be bitten? Shall we try it tonight? Or if it's a hard no, because, you know, there's soft no's and hard no's. A soft mm. no is, oh, maybe, never thought about it. Let's see. Mm. Let's let's take this down the road a little bit. And okay. a hard no is hell no. Hell no. Okay, let's listen to this voice note quickly. We don't have much time, but let's listen. Anything dangerous if you jumped out of the... Just help me out here, please. Um, I'm 63 years. My wife is 52 years old. And she's already experiencing some hot flashes. And I'm still really going strong sexually. And she's like, 
really out there. I don't know how to arouse it. What can I use to make you really want me again? Thank you. A little off topic, okay, but why don't okay. you answer that, Sharon, if you can? So, so, okay, so having been through menopause, I can just tell you that it's not a case if she doesn't want you. She desperately does. Her body is going through a metamorphosis. So all you can do is be incredibly gentle and stimulate her mind because foreplay starts after the last orgasm. And please don't step out of your marriage because that will destroy it. Her body is behaving exactly the way it should be at her age. And you just need to be understanding because the good news is, as I've recently found out, it comes back. Woohoo. Let's leave on that positive note, Sharon Gordon. So good to talk to you. Columnist for the Saturday Star, Earn of Lolo Montez. If anyone wants to get hold of you to find out more about this topic and much more, what should they do? Okay, so they can just go to the website, lolamontez.co.za. Um, Instagram, we Lola Montez Boutique, and on Facebook, we are Lola Montez dot page. Go and tie up with us, email me. Uh, there's a WhatsApp number, which I can't remember offhand, um, but it's all online. So go and find it and please get in touch. Thank you. Let's